Hello and welcome to Life Billions episode four. I'm joined with my co-host Alex. How you doing, Costa? Not too bad. Uh, today we'll be interviewing V. V is a consultant for the SAFC and other programs in Australia and is a huge advocate for video games. Great to have you, V. Hey, how you guys going? Not too yeah. bad. Not Great too bad. to finally meet you. Yeah, I think we've spoken for <laughs> Discord and everything else. We never yeah. actually got there. Yeah, that's it. It's like that in this day and age. Yeah, yeah. everything's over Zoom. Everything's over Discord. So I thought I'd ask you first just to tell the audience a little bit about your journey. How and why did you get in game into game development and how did you get involved? Well, it really started about, I don't know, 13 or so years ago. I was working in corporate telco at the time, um, which is probably a fairly depressing industry to work in. Because everything over there, um, and, and they can shoot me, I don't care. Everything's about, <laughs> everything's about your pay packet, how much, and how much of a little empire you can build and, you know, all of that. And that's just not me. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to do something in my life. And about that time, um, my partner was actually working at a studio in Perth um, called Interzone. And if anyone remembers the history books from that one, it was one of the most spectacular failures I think this country has seen in the gaming industry. <laughs> Uh, it was an offshore company that came over uh, with some incentives and set up over here um, and um, fell apart in spectacular fashion during the GFC. Um, about that time, uh, smartphones were just really becoming a thing. And of course, after the InterZone fell apart, a lot of little studios popped up here in Perth. And so I thought I'll, um, I wanted to change career anyway. Um, I'll create an incubator and I'll find investment and I'll go out and I'll start some marketing and we'll develop some local products and we'll get them out to the world and it'll be great. It wasn't great. <laughs> um, over time that morphed into a more traditional indie studio, but I'm um, always with the intent of finding investment. And I found out how exactly hard that was in Australia. Um, particularly when you've got no track record. Mm. Um, eventually we found our investments sort of five or six years later. And, um, that led to a scenario where I found myself, um, heading up the second, um, initial public offering IPO well. on the Australian securities exchange, the ASX. Oh, wow. Um, it was unsuccessful. Um, <laughs> it was a, a very, uh, look, it was a massive job to be able to do it. And the yeah. experience of course was, a, was um, fantastic to have the experience mm. and to learn why not to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, and of course, um, studio eventually, um, we couldn't, uh, we, we, we made some, I mean, I loved every single one of the games mm. we made. Um, mm -hmm. there was, it was like a baby, but it probably created a, a culture where I was, um, the directors were being pulled in multiple different directions and I probably yeah. wouldn't recommend that. Um, skip forward. It got me in uh, about two or three years into the journey. I got really interested in, in advocacy in seed funding amongst government agencies. Um, I don't know if anyone can remember, uh, but we still talk about it now. And, and, and so the last Labor government we had federally actually introduced a program called the Australian Interactive. It's a very forward thinking policy um, that was initially implemented by Simon Crane, a former treasurer. And what it did was it gave games companies the same sort of basic access to funding that we see in film and TV. And of course, that meant that a lot of companies sprang up. So lots of people, um, they got some money, um, made some good decisions. And then we still see companies that got, really got their start with it eight years, nine years later. Um, 
that got cut um, on the first um, budget delivered delivered by the coalition government. Mm-hmm. Now I'm saying these, I'm saying the parties involved because this is just simple statement of fact. I'm not out to make, oh, yeah. I'm going to make some political statements because mm-hmm. that's what I do, but I'm not having a personal shot at an idea. And we're not talking ideologies here. We're mm-hmm. talking about practical reality. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, uh, that occurred to me, like, I mean, if I had had better access to seed funding and, mm-hmm. and to reduce our risks when we started, I'd be in a different place than I would be today. Yeah. Um, and certainly I think that's true for a lot of different companies, um, a lot of different young creators. Um, and, and that got me involved in the mechanisms and the practicalities of what does that, what does this actually mean? Um, and when we run a program, what are we doing here? Are we, we're not just throwing money up against a wall. What, mm. are our, what are we hoping to achieve? What are our outcomes? What good can we do with this? And that is really where it all stemmed out. Fast forward to about um, 2018, I was not able, I was no longer able to employ myself in my own company. Yeah. Um, and I, uh, the, the then CEO of Screen West in WA had um, had asked me to come on board. Well, he'd asked me to find someone to basically design the program, spend three months working part-time designing the program or what it could look like. And I basically just phoned him up and said, well, let me do it. I'm, I'm yep. the best qualified person to do it. Mm-hmm. I'm the person who's interested in doing it. Give me six weeks of full time and I'll come and do it. I stayed there for 15 months in the end. <laughs> um, and of course, since then I've, I've, um, I've worked on programs around the country and I'm going to soon, soon to be the region as well. I'm heading off to work on a New Zealand program soon. I've worked for um, Screen West, obviously, in, in West Australia, um, South Australian Film Corporation. I've, um, I've assessed for Screen Queensland. I've assessed and helped out with the program with Screen Tasmania. And, of course, various agencies come back and drop me emails and ask me questions yeah. because that's yeah. what I'm, I'm I'm the the person who who works on a lot of stuff outside of of, of Victoria, which has got the most advanced program in the country. Yeah, what so, was the what was the process like initially doing it with Screen West and you know that structuring that program together? Um, I mean, I got given tabula rasa to um, basically write what I wanted. Yeah, and and see the thing being is that that what we're trying to do here, and we take it back. What are we actually trying to achieve? We're not mm. trying to just pay money to, for people to make games. That's insane. Mm-hmm. What we're trying to do is we're trying to give an outcome where we're actually growing an industry and creating, and, and we always talk about this sustainable jobs thing. And if anyone saw that, that was a Twitter argument about <laughs> yeah. that yesterday. Um, but what, what, we're, what we're trying to do ultimately is germinate an industry that can keep going. Yeah. Now, a lot of people will argue about what does stimulus actually do. Now, to put this in context, governments around this country and around the you know around the world stimulate industries for a variety of different reasons. Mm-hmm. The big ones in pandemic land, of course, are jobs, um, growth, yeah, yeah. innovation. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, of course, you know, arts funding traditionally is about what cultural benefit are we generating? Yeah. Now. I, I, games, of course, have developed as an art form. I think if you were to argue that games aren't worthwhile as an art form, you, then you haven't been paying attention for the last 50 years mm-hmm. um, because games are a 50-year-old medium now. Yeah. We've got to stop talking about this as a new industry. Yeah. Um, but, of course, we're still treated like that by governments because it's a generational thing. You know, they don't, 
you know, I'm 40. I mm. grew up with games. I've been mm. playing games. Mm. Since, I've been playing video games and board games and everything since I was four. Mm. So let's just grasp this concept. And when, when what we're talking about is not new. It evolves constantly. And that's exciting. And it pushes the boundary of this medium. And that's what we should be concentrating on. But the outcome, or, or the most, the biggest outcome that we all want, we all want jobs right now. So what can we practically do is generate jobs and industry outcomes and, and create businesses that ideally will stay afloat. Um, yeah. You know, and, and we, we talk about what is a, st- oh, we want to create sustainable jobs. And of course, you know, people go, well, job is a job that lasts and it's dependable show me an industry that really has that short of some extremes like ocean yeah. defense i'm sure your job's yeah. gonna last a long time yeah, yeah but yeah. the job for life no longer exists so yeah. what can we do to create the best outcome given that that premise what is it beyond just the like you mentioned it's not just giving funding to to these companies what is it that you find has been successful in helping companies grow, like early stage games companies, what is so, it they need? So if you're looking around the world, because I, because, I mean, I, I've traveled around the world and spoken to people who manage funds in all sorts of different places, Berlin, Czech Republic, um, New Zealand, um, London, you know, like Canadian Media Fund is one of the most powerful in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, what Basically what you're looking at there is, there's really three different variables in this. You've got early stage project funding, small grants to help people get started or, or development grants to help people um, in the early stages of their business make a product. Yep. Or if they're coming back and they're wanting to grow three years later, you know, something a little bit more, a, a, a few more dollars to actually help them grow and, and employ a new team, put on new staff. Then the second funding, the second component really is industry education. And this can look like um, doing a pitching session to help people learn how to pitch properly. Mm-hmm. Or it can be QA, uh, quality assurance, best practice, you know, doing a three-day deep dive into the start of that. Mm-hmm. It can be teaching young developers because, I mean, I don't know a single university or institution across the country that actually does a course in game business. Yeah. yeah. No it's one does good. it. No. Yeah. So how do you get your accounting right? How do you get yeah. your IP law right? Yeah. How do you manage your contracts? Yeah. They don't. You know, that's a, I've got a commerce degree. I know that stuff, what it looks like because I've seen it, right? Yeah, yeah. But most game developers don't have that background, so it's so doing that stuff. And, yeah. um, and the other thing too is, is and the bit that, that I'm most passionate about in that mix is getting underrepresented groups into game development. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, lots of people are going to have opinions on that. Um, short answer in Australia, we, I mean, I, I'm reasonably well connected across the country in terms of knowing people around the industry. Right. Yep, yep. And, and I could tell you that the, the, the uh, indigenous for the first nations game developers that I know of, uh, you know, and I, I know literally hundreds of people in the industry here, I don't know if less than five. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a problem. Yeah. And we have to fix that. Yeah. Um, and that's not controversial um, to have, an artistic or have a creative industry where you have less, less than, we'll call, let's be optimistic. There's still less than 10. Mm. Mm-hmm. So have a, have a creative industry which employs over a thousand people in this country full time. And then of course all the part timers and contractors and everybody else that works around that. And there are less than 10 first nations background game developers. Yeah. <sighs> That's it. Extremely cultural. Under, yeah, exactly. Extremely underrepresented. Yeah. By, sure. by any, 
representation that that's just it that's that's just there's a problem there yeah what is that problem what, how are we going to fix it and then the next part about this i'm going to go well why should we fix this and the answer is we're a creative industry we live yeah. on content we yeah. are only as good as the things that we make yeah um, we're talking about the world's oldest culture here, yeah. over 65,000 years old. Why aren't they going into this medium? And now it's not actually that big a reach because there's such a vibrant film and TV community that works. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, and, 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 and we have a huge indigenous music scene here. So why are they not, why are we not getting this gap? So that's, that's, that's one of the things. And, and I mean, I, I'm an LGBTQIA person myself. Um, obviously, that's something working on improving conditions for mm -hmm. queer people in the industry is, is yep. obviously a big thing for myself. Um, and let's make it easier for people. I mean, uh, I mean, I've seen an evolution in the 10 years, 11 years I've been in the industry. Yeah. You know, back when I started, everyone was a straight white guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, occasionally, you find a straight person with an Asian background. Yeah. Um, is, is it a big, what is it that you've seen sort of change in terms of the community itself from, from, from back then to now? So back when I started, the worldwide figure on um, female participation in the industry was about 15%. Mm -hmm. wow. How can you have a creative industry where we actually benefit from having different voices in the room with 15% women in the room? Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's nuts. So, yeah. I mean, but by now, in I think last year we saw about um, that it was uh, that we pushed up the um, female representation to twenty-two. Yeah. yeah. So it is changing. Yeah. But it is slow. It is. Um, so that's probably the biggest change. And the other thing too is like when you turn up to Game Connect Asia Pacific, there are just different people in the room now. Yeah. Yeah. What What role do you think? the community plays in that and also from a, you know, encouraging from a like institution level is you think it's a big, like it needs to be a big push from both sides, obviously for that to happen. So from an institutional point of view, we can put in um, requirements uh, for you to access funding. You must have X number of women on your team. Mm -hmm, that's, mm -hmm. that's the bluntest way of doing it. Yeah. 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 With developing uh, communities and, and developing industry sectors. Like, I mean, I, I work in Perth, right? It's a small community. So putting that putting that requirement on it is unrealistic. Yeah. However, we can put in things to say, well, if you do have it, then of course that will be viewed favorably during your application. Yep. Process. Yep. Yep. So it's the incentive for, to encourage that to happen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so we can, or we can, we can talk about that culture. I mean, certainly when it comes to first, first nation stuff, we have, I mean, every screen agency I've worked with has very strenuous guidelines around, um, indigenous content and to, to avoid cultural appropriation, um, which is a traditionally a huge issue in white guys coming along and nicking first nations content and then put, passing it off as their own. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we, we made this up. No, you didn't actually, yeah. it's been here a long time yeah. before. You yeah. 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 Um, so that, that's, that's it. Um, I mean, the community has, I think the community has to want it, mm, mm -hmm. but I think the community wants it in this yeah. country. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, and, and the other thing too is, I mean, we're having all those conversations now about accessibility in games. Um, we're having those conversations about um, what, what characters are being represented. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, we're getting pushback on a lot of these topics, but the fact that we're having these conversations is a start. Yeah, and I would say, you know, if you want to pick, give me one hill to die on, and I have many, <laughs> but my my big one is games are for everyone, and that includes yeah. the game industries. Yeah, so, um, traditionally we've been very we, we, we're youth focused, 
um, we focused here. Because, I mean, in the 80s, computers, personal computers were, were targeted, uh, and, you know, games consoles were targeting, targeted at little boys. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's no reason for that. Yeah. Historically, women have been there on the forefront of computer design since there have been computers. Yeah, oh, for sure, for sure. Yeah, so it, that's a marketing thing and it's actually bullshit and needs to go. Um, yeah. We need to change those images. And we need to t- tell, you know, we need to tell our kids in school that it actually doesn't matter if you've got brown skin or mm-hmm. if, you're, mm-hmm. if you're a girl or mm-hmm. if you're in a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're in a wheelchair, can you think of any other industry that's ex- as accessible as ours? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's even um, something that it's something that I've I've been looking at uh, spinal muscular atrophy, and a lot of the 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 people that I've seen that that have it, and they're they're you know teenagers, young adults. A lot of them want to get into the game industry, and a lot of them play video games. So it's it's actually something that is you know it can it should be encouraged for people that that do have disabilities and that sort of stuff as well so i'll, I'll give you a scenario from last year right for this actually happened to one of the agencies that i work at um i, I was sitting on the uh, on the diversity panel basically being as the lgbtqa representative sitting on the panel um an application came through from a film company um and the the applicant was well, the application was around getting a young person in who was tetraplegic Mm-hmm. This tetraplegic person was a filmmaker, and they work as a documentary company working with some quite extreme conditions. And this 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 person had invented all new drone tech to go on film in extreme conditions because well, they were a drone genius, and that's what they concentrated on. Yeah. Tell me how that's not worth funding. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Anyway, and they were going to come back and share the the findings of the technology and the footage and everything with the community. Yeah. Like that was the biggest no-brainer I've ever seen in my life. Sign the check, get it out. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, 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 yeah. And that's the thing is, is like, again, we can learn from stuff like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's that's, well, a, that's yeah. an adjacent industry, but you know, it's close enough so we can feel the effects of that. Yeah. Have you sort of come into all of this stuff? Um, do you know sort of shifting from a developer into that ecosystem level? Is that some? Is it? Is that the? Is, is there anything else that you've seen actually just doing that shift that? going from, you know, being stuck in it to sort of seeing it from a high level now? Um, I'm a big picture person, if in case that doesn't yeah. come across. <laughs> um, I mean, I haven't even got into the third rung of what or how we can support the community because I've just been yakking on here. Um, but uh, the, I mean, I, I, I enjoy what I do. I enjoy being a big picture person who got, gets the chance to help everyone. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so from my perspective, I mean, like, and that brings me up to my third point. I mean, the, the big one is, of course, incentives, tax incentives. Yeah, yep, yep. Um, agencies around the world use tax incentives and similar offsets to um, encourage larger projects to be made. Um, and this happens all the time in film, no matter where you are in the world. Um, you know, US does it all the time. Uh, yeah. um, and that is that's to to help stimulate the industry and make sure a big project is your 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 city your state your province is um, is suddenly more attractive to make the big project X in it. Mm-hmm. And and in terms of like the the balance between the support for the the lower end sort of indie you know real indie just sort of starting off and then the and the support for the, for the medium to large is there, do you think there needs to be a balance between that or is it sort of ideally you want ways? to have an ecosystem? Yep. Yep. So, 
you want to have a thriving indie community because that's where people learn and that's where people experiment because the stakes are lower. Mm-hmm. It's one thing to spend $50,000 on a project to spend $2 million on a project. Yeah. Or, you know, yeah. if you look at AAA, you're looking in the hundreds of millions. Yeah, for sure. Right? So ideally, you want to have a thriving indie community because that's where some really cool shit's going to come out of. Yeah, yeah. Um, and people will learn and get the, they have the chance to fail. Yeah, yeah. Because we learn a lot more through failure than we do. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I, I'm a poster child for it. I'm <laughs> waving time. my arms about here. Uh, <laughs> um, but, we, but I mean, you learn more through failing than you do through succeeding. Yeah. Um, and then on the top end, you want big companies because they are often more likely to have sustainable careers or that. Now, I, I get it. People get fired off projects all the time. It happens, mm-hmm. all that. We get that. But ideally, you want that mix of company sizes Mm-hmm. And you want courses and an, an education ecosystem that that helps um, mm. saying that. So if you look at somewhere you know a more developed city in the world, you know they'll go from this uh, sort of this large developer to that large developer, and then they'll go and work on their indie game opus, and they'll go and do some art over here, and then they'll go. Well, you know the bank balance is getting a bit low, so yeah. they'll go back to um, yeah. and, and and that institutional knowledge is retained in the location it's not lost yes. yeah, because yeah. because with developers we all go to the same pubs yeah we all hang out on the same discord channels yeah, yeah. you're not losing the know-how all and, and and someone's experience is just added to through time so it actually feeds into the ecosystem itself as long as so long as people aren't leaving the ecosystem to go yeah. to another one yeah and how do you think yeah, that and, and the, no, sorry, go ahead. Sorry, and, and then that in Australia hasn't developed yet. We haven't yeah. got, I mean, yeah, Melbourne, yeah. again, is the closest we've got to it, yeah. but we haven't yet got to a place where you can, you know, I look at it right now, I mean, there is no pathway in Perth as my home city, which is the, the one place I know most intimately, of course. Um, there's no pathway from, or very little pathway from graduate through to senior developer. You can't do that inside the state. You have to go somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. And then as a government, you're kind of going, well, you don't want them to go somewhere else because you're losing out on tax dollars. Yep, yep, um, yep. At a royal financial bastardry point of view, you learn, you're losing <laughs> yeah. the knowledge, you're losing out on tax dollars, you're losing out on that person's opportunities that they'll generate. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. So then you're kind of hoping they come back. Yeah. Now people do because they want to come back and start families and, yeah, and, yeah. and but, but not always. It's not very mm-hmm. reliable way of doing it. So what are we going to do to keep them here? Well, we've got to generate opportunities. And it's interesting. I mean, that, that was going to be my next point was, is, you know, we treat Australia as an ecosystem, but then everyone sort of breaks it up and goes, well, no, there's, there's Perth, there's Adelaide, there's Sydney, there's Melbourne, you know, it's these separate sort of smaller ecosystems as well. Oh, and every city is very different. Yeah. Um, now I'm, I'm a big, like, as you can tell, I mean, I look at what happens worldwide, mm-hmm. but you've got to look at the individual case in front of you and going all that. And, and of course, what's going on with the regional centers around mm-hmm. that, um, mm-hmm. you know, one of the great success stories that, um, came out of my, the fund that I managed with Screen West last year was a, was a developer in Kalgoorlie. Now, if you've never heard of Kalgoorlie, I it's haven't. a mining town. <laughs> it, there is a, one of the big world's biggest, um, I think it's a gold mine. Mm-hmm. Okay. Gold mine is a diamond mine. Anyway, it's this gigantic super pit. It's actually called the super pit. It's, it, this, this thing is vast. I mean, I've stood on the side of it and you go, oh, that's a long way down. You know, when those giant mining trucks look like Tonka toys or yeah. <laughs> control cars down the bottom of it, that's what you're looking at. It's not yeah. exactly a mecca of game development. 
Mm-hmm. But the thing is, you can make games anyway. You need an internet connection, exactly. Yeah, a PC and and uh, and an engine, and you can start hacking. Yeah, yeah. It's about what opportunities can we bring to all that. Yeah. So, like I say, we can go holistically. We can go worldwide. And, and the thing I would say to anyone is grow your contacts to any young developer sitting in your home city. You know, it's one thing to make contact with your local community, but we are a worldwide industry. Yep. And we've got discord servers and Twitter and use social networking for good. Yeah. yeah. Instead of the horrendous amount of crap that we get through it every day. Yeah. And is that something that you sort of, is there anything else that you'd recommend for, for developers that uh, you see at that high level with your big picture thinking that some people, you know, being a, a developer at home doing their own solo game doesn't see. Literally, I mean, okay, so in pandemic land, we're not, yeah. it, this is a double-edged sword. <laughs> um, online conferences are a thing at the moment. I hope that does, there is an online component that keeps to continue. But one of the big greatest privileges in my life, and it is a privilege, mm-hmm is that I've traveled to JDC a few times. I've been to Gamescom twice. I've mm-hmm. been to, I, I, you know, this is going to be the first year since 2013 where I've not flown across the, the country to go to PAX Australia. Like flying around is a real privilege. Yeah. But talking to developers from around the world who have things differently, different ideas and perspectives, that's, yeah. that's the thing that I think has the most value. And if we're developers, we're an insular bunch. Mm-hmm. Um, right, so, so the biggest question is, I was like, so I I'd normally say, say to Australian developers, get to GCAP, get to Game Connect Asia Pacific. It just beg, borrow, steal, sell your kidney. You just get there and talk to people. <laughs> yeah. And they go, and they go, oh, but I'm not sure about talking to people. I'm an introvert. And I go, you're in a room full of introverts. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> everyone's an introvert apart from the two extroverts in the room now come and find me or Giselle and we'll come and introduce you to people yeah yeah I'm kind of loud if you haven't guessed that (laughs) so it's really just pushing pushing people into those situations they don't want to be in because that's really how they start talking to people and 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 finding networks I I literally do my best work with a glass of wine in my hand making my way around a room and and I would suggest and obviously don't don't just go for coffees with people yeah one of the best things at GDC is there's a cafe and because it's San Francisco, right? Now, I'm sorry, Americans, if there's any Americans listening to this, your coffee is shit. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of like the coffee. <laughs> it, like, I don't want to, if I, if I, on the rare occasions where I actually drink coffee, I don't want a thick shake. I want a cup of coffee. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, but there's the one yeah. good cafe. Yeah. And in that cafe, all the Italians and all the all the Melburnians and all everybody comes in, and you can walk in and it's full of game developers on that yeah. one week. You know, I'm I'm a I'm a tea drinker most of the time. It's the only place I can find good tea. <laughs> so then, of course, as soon as I walk in there, there's people I know. Yeah. And there's people I don't know, you know, and then sitting next to those people I know are people I don't know. Yeah. And you end up talking and chatting and, and that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. I think one of the best things I, that ever happened to me is um, I was at GDC. The first time I was at GDC, I went to, there was a, a party. It was gamers, G-A-Y-M-E-R-S, gamers by Sony. It was, it was obviously sponsored by PlayStation, mm-hmm. but it was at one of the queer pubs at San Francisco. There's a lot of gay going on in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Get used mm-hmm. to it. Mm-hmm. Um 
And I walked in and I went and got my Bloody Mary and then I went and talked to, oh, I'm talking to someone and you're a PlayStation hardware engineer. Well, I had a problem on a game I was working on. <laughs> when I got back, I got my text to talk to them. Problem got solved. Yeah, yeah. That's, Through yeah. me walking in and having cocktails. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, you don't think of the, the connection between those two, but then, you know, it's, you can put a, you can put a, a face to a corporation and that's when things get done because you, you know who to contact, you know who to, to speak to within that, you know, if it, even if it's Nintendo or if it's Sony or if it's Xbox, you know who to talk to and then they can connect you to other people as well. Exactly. You only, it's not what you know, it's not who you know, it's who knows you. Yeah. And that's the, that's the big secret to all mm-hmm. of this. Mm-hmm. That's V's handy hints on wisdom. <laughs> Are we going to get a book of these handy hints? Yeah, that's great. <laughs> yeah. Um, so bring it back locally. You're involved with the SA Film Corporation and the Game Development Fund now in the round two mm-hmm. as well. What do you see in SA in terms of your experience in Perth as well and worldwide? And then where are we headed? Where can we go? What are we missing? All right, so what we're looking at in SAFC is still a pilot fund. I think they would, so I, I'm going to be careful in what I say here because I'm an external consultant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but, but when I came in, the, the fund wasn't where it was needed to be. The processes weren't entirely sorted down. The outcomes weren't as strong as they could have been. So, but on the other hand, SAFC have been actually a dream to work with. Mm-hmm. Um, their staff are very confident, are very competent, and very, um, very willing to learn. Um, traditionally in film corporations, which, which if you don't know, a, a film corporation like that is a state run entity is government money. And it's put together because getting a film financed in Australia, was just a nightmare. And that's true for TV shows and games as well. Yeah. Um, so it's because of market failure, essentially, um, yeah, capitalism, um, <laughs> government has to step in and provide seed funding for a lot of these, these things. They also do a lot of education stuff where they pro- get, they provide it, uh, they get education providers to come in and do courses and that, that sort of thing as well. So we ran, we run two rounds with it. I came in on the second round, rewrote the guidelines, rewrote the processes, made the whole thing a lot more robust because the other thing too is it's government money, which means that mm-hmm. every single cent is audited, mm-hmm. which means your processes have to be robust because no matter who the ruling party is at the time, they want to know that all are being well spent, right? Because they've got to get, it's got to show outcomes. Mm-hmm. So redesigned all that through knowledge I've already picked up. So that's, that, that's point one. So we are where we need to be with that. Um, our, I mean, it's, it, initially we did it on 300K Australian, two rounds on that. Um, to my mind, you probably want to double that. Yep. at least to, to really get started. And, and that <clears> mean that that's okay if you to run a pilot, run the pilot first, get the processes worked out, and then you probably want to double that yep. to, to even a new year one scenario. And I would then advocate for gradually cranking that up over time. And the reason for that is because it'll actually turn out to be profitable. Mm-hmm. It'll be profitable for the state because we've, we've seen through the evidence in Australia, you're looking at for every dollar invested in games by a, by a public entity, you're looking at $4 back in the economy. Yep. Freaking woohoo. Yep. I don't care if you're a conservative or a progressive or a lefty or a righty or whatever. It's more tax dollars. It's more yep. services. It's mm-hmm. more, that's good for anyone. You pipe up with a little bit of money in overall. Now, again, individuals will fail. The industry will gradually, you'll see over time, will succeed. It's not about propping up. It's about giving an opportunity to where it's difficult to get one. Yep. 
So the second part of this is SAFC and the Marshall government in South Australia were the first ones to introduce a 10% offset. So suddenly, if you're working on a game where the minimum buy-in is 250K, you've already done your prototyping and pre-production, you can apply and get a minimum of 10% back. Mm-hmm. Well, you get 10% back yeah, off the yeah. back of what you spend. Yeah. As long as you do, you know, follow the rules, do all mm-hmm. the things. Mm-hmm. 250K to make a game is not a whole lot. So, I mean, it's real dollars. So it, there's a reasonable buy-in. Yeah. Um, so, and then of course it doesn't really have a top limit or anything like that. And yep, of yep. course I've, I've rewritten the guidelines so they facilitate, you know, games that are ongoing mm-hmm. because games don't really ever get finished, right? Um, every single developer <laughs> I've listening to this podcast right now just groaned when I said that. Um, um, but, but some games really don't finish. They're ongoing, they're subscriptions or they're microtransactions. I mean, and I'm not really like, um, I'm not aligned to any one way of doing it because there's always... The, the ways that we make games, we monetize games, will always continue to evolve. Yep. Um, and there's a way to do microtransactions, which is fine. <laughs> really is. Um, and there's ways to do it, which is not fine. Um, but but anyway, so so um, so rewriting those guidelines. I was in Australia first, um, and more of that. Frankly, just more of that. Every state should be doing it. There's no good argument against it. It's a no-brainer. Yeah. Because if you want to, in pandemic land, get people who are to get into jobs and growth and freaking doing things, do that. Mm-hmm. It'll train people. Mm-hmm. The third part is the bit that's missing, and that's the opportunity. And we're starting to work on that now. So we, we ran a how-to-pitch session. You know, game developers often know their product intimately well, but they don't know how to tell somebody else about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I think pitching is something that, and you can never know too much about pitching. I mean, I did the pitch. I've pitched to everyone. I have, I've run an IPO, right? Yeah. I pitched to 50 something, 60 something conservative yeah. investors. Yeah, you know, yeah. Nothing about games. Yeah. I've pitched to Xbox. I pitched to Sony. I've, I've pitched to Nintendo. I've pitched to lots of different publishers. I pitched ideas about what I, about how we can work together. But yeah. even I learned things out of that. Yeah. Um, most notably how to do follow-ups. So my follow-ups weren't nearly as good as the person who was running the seminars follow-ups. Mm-hmm. Um, bingo, I've just learned something. But there's a, but starting that education process. And the other thing, thing um, is that we'll be doing some Indigenous outreach during those first steps in the bridging. And that's really, I mean, that's been something I've been pushing. Um, I, 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 I've been really passionate about the Australian version of Black Lives Matter. It's a different thing that, than mm-hmm. what's going on internationally because, of course, we've got our own issues mm-hmm. around that. And we've got, again, an a Indigenous population which is, um, which is not treated very well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but being part of, you know, you do your bit for the good of society and this is my bit. This is my superpower. Yeah. So let's start that outreach. Now, I'm not going to sit in the room while it's happening because I'm paler than a fridge door. <laughs> but I can be in the background facilitating yep. the right people to get in the room. Yep, yep. And Sorry. Uh, yeah. So you go. Yeah, no, I was going to say, and, and, and how would you sort of say that we, I mean, you've spoken about education and stuff, but I guess there's, there's, you've identified there's a lack of private funding as well in Australia. Mm. How is it that we can, I don't know, convince investors or stimulate that without uh yeah so if you were to seek private investment in australia at the moment for games i would tell you not to yeah (laughs) just don't (laughs) um 
probably Sydney investors are the most equipped because they're more familiar with how technology works. But but in Australia, our investment environment is very, very conservative indeed. And it's all around the resources of the sector. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, going and investing in mining speculations, I mean, you're looking at a 4% chance of a return on that. Yeah. So it's not like it's dice. I mean, it's, it's but they know it, right? And the thing is, games are still that unknown quantity. So trying to, and I probably didn't help things on <laughs> my own adventures very much, but um, but it's a difficult thing to convince conservative Australian investors for. However, there are it's coming more into the international environment. There are now games investment firms worldwide. Mm. Maybe you should Google them. Yeah. And a lot of those, um, they would, they would invest in companies in Australia. I mean, they're just, they're not it's, it's, strictly, it, yeah. it's international. Who cares where the company is? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. As long right. as they can deliver on the product and get the right opportunities and get the right For publishing sure. job and all of that, create the right conditions. Yeah. Whereas I think there's like, whenever I hear game developers talking about, oh, we have to teach investors. We have to teach investors how to deal with us. No, 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 no. <laughs> That's not how this works. They've got the money. Yeah. You don't. <laughs> yeah. So you have to learn how they work. Yeah. You have to understand like a critical thing in how to do business and games is learning power relationships mm-hmm, mm-hmm. who has the power what do i need to do to get into a place where i'm talking to them and actually resonating with them in any way mm-hmm. learning human behavior <laughs> is a critical part of doing business in this sector and it doesn't matter how many times you've spoken online when you walk in the room it's different yeah that's right that's right and it's especially, I guess, difficult for people who might be introverts to have these, <laughs> these conversations. <laughs> I don't know how to fix that one. I yeah, mean, exactly. Maybe, yeah. Especially like, Day um, drinking? Yeah. yeah. I feel like there's a bit of overlap there with um, people being artists because you can't really correct someone's art. So it's open to interpretation. But then when it comes to that side of the business, it's like, no, this is how it works. Okay, and that's what gets us into the next step of this discussion is when does art and when does business collide? <laughs> um, if you want to live your best life and make the games that you want, I'm not stopping you. Go ahead. Make as much. I mean, I, like when I first got the fun going in WA, someone said, oh, you're trying to kill art games in the States. No, I'm not. <laughs> I want more people to make more yeah. games. Yeah. Go out and do, live your best life. Make what you want. But when you need resources... And by that, I mean, when you need more than Centrelink money, mm. yeah. what are you going to do? You're going to make something that's actually going to sell. Yeah. And I mean, I don't care what your product is if you find a niche. I mean, you know, look at Dream Daddy a couple of years ago. He was a, a you know, dad game where you have dads and you make up a dad character, go on dad dates with other dads, tell dad jokes at each other yeah. and, and have a good laugh along the way. It's fun yeah. and it's cute and it's queer and it's, it sounds on paper. It looks stupid. Mm but it's stupid and it works. Mm, mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's not stupid. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So it found its niche, and that's what I would say to anyone. If you're an indie game designer, find your niche for God's sake. Yeah. Why? You see, in every, almost in so, in so many applications I read for grants, and that's not, that's not an Adelaide thing or an SA thing, it's an across-the-country thing. Oh, this game is unique. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> Your game is derivative. Your game is derivative of everything that has come before. But tell me what your point of difference is. That's yes. the statement you want to make. 
Yeah, yeah. I'm not. My this game is unique. It's a cross of this and this. It's a cross, you know, it's Mario Kart cross with Doom. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, obviously, it's not unique because it's Mario Kart cross with Doom. Yeah, exactly. Maybe you should drop that line. <laughs> um, I, when I read applications, I'm feral because the first thing I, I like, if you've ever seen me actually when I'm when I'm assessing, I'll actually go look straight through to the marketing chapter on the in the application. And if it's not a good marketing chapter, yeah, I almost it. check out right yeah. there and then because it actually doesn't matter how good the game is. Mm-hmm. And this is your art, yeah. right? And I care about your art because I want to throw money at your art. Mm-hmm. But if you can't get it out to anyone, yeah, I'm not. I'm not interested. Like even within art space, I'm not interested in games that are played by three people. Yeah, yeah. That gets us to the place that film's gone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I guess for that, I mean, you need that education. You need that education for understanding the business and the economics and everything and then the marketing with it as well. Just understanding that sort of stuff, which a lot of game developers, and like you mentioned, it's just not really taught anywhere. Yeah. I mean, but this, this is your industry and, and this is something that I want to, like any agency I work in, I want to have a, a business of games course. Yeah. Um, yeah. taught by someone who's not me. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I can certainly speak on the subject, but having someone as well, I mean, we do have specialists and we are seeing more and more of that. IGEA, the Interactive Games and Entertainment Association, um, have run courses, in, in con- it, um, which is the industry body here in Australia, mm-hmm. have, um, in conjunction with um, Austrade, which is our investment, um, international investment body, and Austrade works with iron ore and farming and agriculture and cotton and all that sort of stuff as well. But they're working with the game industry now. And they got a guy called Jason De La Rocca, who's very famous in the industry for that, and teaching people how to pitch. And, of course, because he's got a pool of, of pet investors that he, that he has back in, in his thing. And yeah. more of that. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter to me if you turn up with the next dream daddy. Because, I mean, what, well, going back to that example, what they did is they niched it and they found their audience. Yeah. And their That's audience it. were like, someone made a game for us at yeah. last. <laughs> you know, if it, like the queer community ran with that and they told all their friends to go and get it because someone was looking after them. Yeah, yeah. Is, you know, that, is that what you'd say is what a lot of people get wrong? when asking for funding that's that's the thing it's like they don't know the they don't know the market they're too general that sort of stuff uh yeah all the time all the time um it's not the it's not a unique problem it's the (laughs) but it happens Uh, um, again they they haven't looked around i mean nothing excites me more that when i'm reading an application and i go that's messed up Because I mean, I've literally been on an, uh, had an application come through, and you could tell who was reading the application at the time because they were laughing nervously. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. Um, and then, of course, then of course, it got through to the funding panel, and the two assessors, and I quote, said that the first one was that started with, "Okay, so if this game actually gets up there, people are yeah. going to be talk, doing talks about it at GDC." And the second um, assessor on the, sitting on the panel, you know, there were a panel full of, you know, screen industry people as well, mm-hmm. so outside of games. The second assessor actually came out, if one game um, gets funded today, it's this one or I will fight you. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good sign. That's always good and, signs. <laughs> yeah, that was, that, that's the no-brainer thing. That's what you want to be. Um, yeah. And the other thing too is that we will often fund games, not for this game, but for the next one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cause we want to help you on your journey. Yeah. 
but the it's it still you know come out with a kick-ass um, application right i mean yeah. that's, that's, that's the bit more that's the surefire way yeah um, yeah um also be honest yeah um the amount of times i've heard, seen things oh, new innovative gameplay it's a rails shooter yeah exactly yeah 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 yeah. it's not much new here yeah yeah, yeah. um i would um it's any person pitching or just to be conscious you're pitching to government mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um so pitching your pitching your game that shows women in a degrading manner is not a good call yeah yeah so um, you pitch, yeah you're pitching to, to, to government right i mean <laughs> they're gonna have government sensibilities yeah yeah so it's understand, yeah understanding the audience understanding yeah, so, that, yeah it's not it, but so, so when you're pitching you've got the audience that you want to hit yeah and you've got the audience that you're talking to at the time mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah now I, I would never shy away from you know almost any form of content unless it's then the particularly heinous end of the spectrum but be mindful about what you're doing yeah the other thing too is i think i think we're all sure there's a market out there for for, for people who want to see hot chicks in games but yeah. if the hot chick in your game is really monotonous as a non-character, mm-hmm. as just there as window mm. as eye candy, what? Why are you doing this? What's mm. the point? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, it's been mm-hmm. done before. It won't yeah. sell your game any yeah. more than anything else. Figure out something. Like yeah. your, your approach probably needs to be adjusted. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And I think you know. So you mentioned that. Uh, those two pitches were really good. What other ones are there that, what, what is it else? Like, have you seen some that just really stood out? You know what I mean? Like, so one of the best pitches I've ever read, they had three letters of offer from three different publishers in their application. Well, wow. that was pretty good. Yeah, it's very good. <laughs> I was like, well, that one got funding in it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, it happened. I mean, it was, I'm so yeah. surprising. The game yeah. was great. Yeah, yeah. The, the, art, the art style was super cute. Um, it, 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 it knew its audience. It knew mm-hmm. what it was. Mm-hmm. The gameplay, I mean, I played the demo. It was, again, it was really tight. It knew exactly what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, someone who, who I've known on and off over the years and was, in fact, a console um, account manager basically came back to me and I'd have the worst pitch I've ever done. I'd given those, and, and cause the, the demo that I was showing him actually froze in the middle of the thing. <laughs> that was great. Um, don't do that. Yeah. Um, and again, you learn more through failing. Yeah. Own your space was what he told me. Yeah. Actually own your space and, and find out what it is that makes you different with as much as, as much as you can be different mm-hmm. and work on that. Mm-hmm. And if your game's not different enough, are you, should you be doing it? Yeah. There's a, there's a phrase and it comes from classic literature, which is murder your darlings. Mm-hmm. So the thing that you think is super cool and, and is revolutionary and all that, it's actually probably shit. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, don't be afraid of taking it to someone else and letting them smack it with a cricket bat and tell yeah. you what's wrong with it because yeah, you'll learn yeah. things like yeah. that. And okay, the other thing too is learn what the sunk cost, learn, learn about the sunk cost fallacy. Mm-hmm. Um, throwing good money or good time after bad <laughs> won't win you anything. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can tell me I'm wrong. Please prove me I'm wrong. I love being proved wrong. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I'm I'm right a lot of the time with the stuff. Yeah, there's always a t- I guess there's a there's a point when you have to realize if it's worth continuing or giving up or changing. You know what I mean? It's it's a journey. It's it's not just the one thing and that's it you, you gotta what they call it in 
pivoting, but you yeah. know, but yeah. I mean, like, or sometimes it's just not the right time for something. Yeah, yeah. Um, doing and this is, this is a controversial take. Doing a local multiplayer game at a time of a global, global pandemic yeah. is a difficult <laughs> ask unless you have a commercial opportunity that yeah. facilitates that. Yeah. And yeah, it's okay, SMG Studio with moving out. You did a great <laughs> game and you've got a great opportunity and that's fine. <laughs> or, or, or having a game that gets picked up by Nintendo in the middle of this time is perfect. Okay, yeah. you've got something that gets you past that point. If you yeah. don't have that opportunity, though, yeah. it's going to be a hard task. Yeah, yeah. Maybe consider putting it down for a bit and doing something else and like coming back to it. Yeah. When the game's exactly. Itself is fine. The timing is against it. Yeah, mm. it. I was gonna. I, I I once parked a project simply because it was a puzzle platform game, and I thought the game was great. And the people who were working on it in my studio, I mean, the game was great. Yeah. But the next two years, as <laughs> a new puzzle platformer through established brand names every two months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly right. Maybe we just park this one at the moment and do something else. Yeah. Yeah. I see you cringing there, Alex. Did you you have you have local multiplayer in your in your game? You're and, and, and like, like if you can come out and smash it, and, and you do a million sales, and you say, "Ha ha V," you tweet it, you go, "Ha ha V, suck shit, I did it," and I go, "Like good, good on you." Yeah. We so ours was um oh the, the echo the, the voice it's so hard. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, so when we started, we were like, we know we have this skill gap of getting online multiplayer so we're like oh we'll just market it like oh it's the old school days of catch multiplayer <laughs> not predicting covid or anything like that so yeah now we're definitely ex- exploring all options would be yeah. the safest yeah. way to say it. exploring all options and i'm doing air quotes here yeah it's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the best way to go i guess yeah. <laughs> but i don't know what i can you know what you can release what you can say so yeah exploring all options yeah yeah, yeah. that's it that's it Awesome. What would be one piece of advice you could give to the developers listening? If out of everything that we've sort of spoken about, what's the one thing? The single biggest thing, like I say, I mean, the the thing that I would say to anyone is seriously just meet people, Mm -hmm. meet people who are better than you at what you're doing. Meet people who are on the journey as meet people who are in the same position as you, maybe people who are a couple more years advanced. Meet people who work in different areas to you. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're an artist, learn a little programming. If you're a programmer, learn a little art. Uh, and says I, as a hypocrite who doesn't know anything, said, "Well, I, um, but I'm not on the I'm not on the coalface of it, right?" Um, I had to learn how government systems work. And, you know, so down to what's okay. Okay, so how do I actually get something in front of the minister? And is it the minister that makes the decision, or do they sign or something? Like learn the systems and all that, and you do that through forming relationships and talking to people, because you'll learn the stuff that you don't know. Yeah. Um, that's that's the thing. Is is and the more people that you talk to and have those rapports, like mentors are so important. And that is something that we just don't do well in this industry, in this country. I mean, I assume it's done better elsewhere. It probably is. But I mean, one of the things I want to get up somewhere is just getting a formal mentorship program with paid yeah. mentors. Yeah. Um, working lunch that happens out of Sydney and um, initially ha- and is allied to IGEA and it was originally um, Ali McLean's um, social enterprise. Just one of the most fabulous things because getting mentors from a variety of places to help people who are having trouble mm-hmm. It is really important. But as a baseline, if you don't have access to a formal mentorship program, getting out and meet people is the, is the next best thing because you yeah. will develop your own mentors over time. 
and I guess it's tough now with COVID for that to happen, but it's, you can speak online and, and that sort of stuff. Yeah. And there's always communities out there as well. Yeah, but I mean, like, have, there's three people who are sitting in the podcast, two of which are sitting in the same room in one state, and one and the other one sitting on in another state. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So right. it, it can happen, right? Yeah. And again, there are loud people, in, and then you hang out with the loud people, and those other people have crowds around them. Yeah, and and you learn look at the other people as well. Yeah, yeah, and that's and it's always, I guess, is there any way to facilitate that some more? Is it is it just within the community having more meetups as well, getting people to understand that, and then formal education? Um, I mean, obviously, once meetups start, I mean, I noticed in Adelaide, um, you know, pub meets were happening again, and that's the first step. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, GCAP Game Connect Asia Pacific is running. Um, is running online this year because of obvious reasons. But when those when those expos and stuff starts happening again, that's when you sort of turn up. Yeah. And I mean, like something that happens with conferences. I mean, if the if the sessions are being recorded, watch the sessions on video. Yeah. Go and hang out. Uh, go and hang out in the coffee shops and the bars. I'm not saying drink anything. I'm saying go and talk to people. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Uh, yeah. Um, because you never know who you'll walk into and, and it's quite, I don't know, I, I'm, you know, I, 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 when I first started doing this, I was a 30 something, um, I, I'm, I'm a queer presenting, uh, I mean, you hear, you hear my husky deep voice, but uh, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm a transgender woman, right? So it's not like, it's a fairly... I'm not, I'm not saying there's not evil and nasty people in this industry because I totally mm-hmm. are. I mean, specifically right now as we go through another another round of me too in this industry mm-hmm. um that's that's undeniable but i've met a lot of nice people mm-hmm. um from all over the world um through walking into places and hanging out and having a uh, cocktail and having a cocktail or, yeah. having, or, or or going in for a cup of tea because yeah. there's no goddamn tea in yeah. america <laughs> what is wrong there's no kettles in the hotel rooms i mean yeah. god damn yeah. which is is funny because they love iced tea over there and it's not our cordial iced tea it's literally cold tea like at your burger like, thing and all that uh, proper yorkshire tea right yeah yeah, yeah. that's what it is <laughs> or, you know yorkshire tea or earl grey in your hotel room like it's a minimum standard of civilization. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, okay. I'm a complete, whatever, you know, fling, direct insults to V at I don't care.com. Um, I, I drink tea. It's something I, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> tea is productivity in a cup form. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I think that's how we're going to end it. Tea is productivity in a cup form. I've recently switched to tea, so I'm, I could advocate for that as well. So, I would definitely um, go down with that. So, and then, have you got any more questions or why we're here? Because we do need to wrap up. Yeah, I think that's everything that we've had to... Yeah. Uh, thank you for coming on. I think your input has been fantastic. And I think it's something that people really need to understand, this networking and all this other sort of stuff. It's, it's yeah, it's definitely something I'm learning through the industry. And I know Alex is as well. So thank you. Uh, I'm a wandering idiot and I will blurt stuff out. But what I'm saying, it it does... Like when you go and test it, 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 it all it makes sense yeah that's it that's it fantastic okay thank you thanks Mike. thanks very much guys <laughs> great talking with you in the funky zoom connection and i'm great Australian <laughs> internet thank you <laughs> that's it cheers See have you. a good one <laughs>